Hallelujah. Can we stand and begin to lift up our voices and thank the Lord for his goodness together? If you want to lift your hands, clap your hands. Come on, let's just thank him together. He's worthy. God, you're great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we love you. We honor and bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your truth, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Welcome to the Church of Omaha, and we're so glad you're here. If it's your first time, we greet and bless you. Amen. If you're joining us online, thank you for tuning in, watching. Amen. Let's go to the word of the Lord while you're still standing, and then I'll get right into the teaching. Psalm 128 and verse number 1. This is a song of degrees, or some Bibles call them the song of ascents, same thing. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children in peace upon Israel. I want to just teach for just a little bit this morning, preach. So again, if you've ever heard me say it, it's treach, so I'm kind of binding the two together. The blessings of fearing the Lord. Amen. The blessings of fearing the Lord. Father, let the living word preach the written word today. Cause my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer as you write your words upon our hearts. Open our understanding that we might comprehend Scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We pray all of this in the majestic, the marvelous, and the magnificent name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, would you say amen? amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In the Declaration of Independence, the framers and founding fathers of the United States of America wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. However, while people everywhere want to be happy. That's really not the goal of the born-again believer. Because joy comes from Christ and happiness comes from chance. So God wants us to be holy. The world wants us to be happy. And God's joy supersedes the happiness of this world, whatever it can give. So whatever the pursuit of happiness is, I get what they meant. I understand. I'm not trying to nitpick away at the Declaration of Independence. But ultimately, happiness is chance, whereas joy is a choice. It's based in Christ. I said this last Sunday, and I'm going to say it again, and uh, I'm not trying to be anti-American or anti-government or whatever, but I do believe in, in part that the American dream is a threat to apostolic vision. 
Because if we have options and God is not first, why do we need a Bible? Why do we need Christianity? Why do we need any of that? But if God is our supreme, if God is our only, amen? So I don't want any other option. I want to choose God. Now, that, I want to segue into Psalm 128 because in addition to it being a song of ascent, Psalm 128 is also classified as a wisdom psalm because it focuses on and describes the life of those who remain faithful to God by pointing out those elements of wisdom. The family, again, is mentioned in Psalm 128 as it was in 127, and it helps to reveal how that each individual family has a unique role in the greater good of God's ultimate plan. But... Even though the family is highlighted in 50% of the verses, which is verses 3 through 5, the opening verse, verse 128, verse 1, reveals this is for everyone. So even if you're single or even if you're married with no children, this verse, these verses still apply to you as well. And we'll explain as we move into it this morning. I want to start by talking about the absolute requirements for God's blessings. How many of you want God's blessings on your life? I mean, that's probably a rhetorical question. Hopefully all of you do, whether or not you raised your hand or nodded your head. I'm hoping all of you, at least in your heart and mind, are going, yep, I want His blessings because I do. So, but how many of you know there's requirements for those blessings? They don't just come because you're at church today and you checked in on, you know, faith teams. Bing, you're here. No, it's because of some other things that this verse brings out. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and that walketh in His ways. The word feareth can mean to be afraid. There is an element of that word that does imply a certain degree of being afraid of God. I'm afraid of the fact that God is a judge. Now, I trust that I've done what it takes to meet any requirements that he has in his word. But at the end of the day, God is without error. He's not like a human judge that can be bribed or bought. And so there is a part of fearing the Lord that does imply a certain degree of, of, of fear. Now, it's a minor part. It's, it's about 2% of what the word means. The other 98% is the reverence and respect aspect of fearing Him. The Bible does say in Hebrews 10.31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But this verse and the many others that speak about fearing the Lord reveal a greater reality of truth about what it means to fear God because authentic faith is expressed in and lived out daily through a reverential awe of God. You see, it's remaining faithful despite the circumstances. If you're here and you've faced some rough times in your life or are presently and you're still here, that's a part of what fearing the Lord is all about. Amen. It's being committed to God alone. Not serving false gods or idols or yourself or sin. 
Godly fear is characterized by a complete allegiance to God. And Cornelius would rank among some of the highest on that list who did so even before he was born again in Acts chapter 10 verse 2. He had such a reverence for God, such a respect for God. What's interesting about Cornelius is he was a Roman. And if you know anything about the Romans, the Romans worshipped multiple gods and their ancestors. And in the midst of that paganistic idol worship, Somehow he's heard about the one true God and is worshiping him, fearing him, and having a memorial unto him. That's what it means to fear the Lord. It also means, genuine fear of the Lord also means the cleansing of ourselves inwardly and outwardly, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. We must do it both inwardly and outwardly. It's, it's not either or, it's both and. That's a part of fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord helps us to avoid sin. We find this in the book of Exodus 20. The whole duty of human existence is summed up by fearing God and keeping His commandments because He's going to judge our works. And we find this in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. The fear of the Lord is our source of joy. Psalm 21 verse, or 2 verse 11 says this. And it is our veritable fountain of life according to Proverbs 14 and verse 27. Fearing God is of greater value than all this world's wealth, so says Proverbs 15, 16, because God takes pleasure in those who honor and fear Him faithfully. Psalm 147, 11. I know I've thrown a whole lot of verses out there at you. We didn't put them up on the screen, you know. But the point is, every one of those and more illustrate the broad understanding of what fearing the Lord is all about. It's, it's not just down to one thing. There's a multifaceted view of what it means to fear the Lord. This is why I've titled this message today, The Blessings of fearing the Lord. It's why you've heard me repeatedly say from this pulpit that we need a revival of the fear of the Lord. It's why we must never lose our reverence for God and God alone. Here's why. Those who reject God reveal that they failed to remain faithful to fearing Him. If we lose our fear of the Lord, we will lose our faith in the Lord. You know, an entire series could be taught just on the, the broad view of what fearing the Lord is all about and the blessings that go with it. But we don't have time for that now. So we'll stay with Psalm 128 for now. And in verse 1, we see an absolute requirement as in addition to fearing Him. Again, let me read verse 1 again. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. That's the first requirement. And everything I just read to you and, and, and even more that the Bible talks about, that's the first requirement. The second is that walketh in His ways. His being God's, the Lord's, not your own. 
The word walketh here in the King James, the ETH, indicates the daily, continual, ongoing aspect of a daily obedient life to God. It's not just showing up on Sunday or a Wednesday Bible study or a small group somewhere else or something. It's being that daily. In fact, a study of the word walk could produce quite an exhaustive list of things that we're told to do. Let me just give you seven of them for sake of time. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1 through 4, we are to walk in the Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. That's, by the way, that's not just when we're at church. I need to walk in the Spirit tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. I need to walk in the Spirit when there's good things or bad things. Good news or bad news. Amen? Uh, Romans 13, 13 tells us to walk honestly. And again, this is not just on Sundays. This is every day. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. We're to walk as new creatures in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we're to walk into good works. That we've been saved to do so. Ephesians 5.2 tells us to walk in love. 1 John 2.4 tells us to walk in truth. And again, this is just seven of many that you could discover. In fact, I highly encourage you to do a study of the word walk, walking or walked or walketh, and look them all up, and you'll discover some very great revelatory truth about how God walks with those who walk with Him. In fact, God says, I'll walk in you. Wow. The Spirit in us, working through us, all around us, if we'll walk in His ways. In fact, one old song, I think it's the third verse, says, Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? So even that verse of that song indicates the the daily aspect of walking with God. Jesus summed it up this way in Luke 9, 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. See, here's the problem though. We want to carry a cross about the size of this key that's in my pocket, you know. We want to have it maybe hanging on our keychain. We want it to be decorated and pretty, you know, really nice. We want it bejeweled and bedazzled, and it's a pretty cross, and isn't it great? And Bring it out when we need it, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. You know, we we want a ball cap where it's embroidered onto the ball cap maybe, you know. And we can turn around backwards if we need to, just in case. That's not the kind of cross that Jesus carried. Now, it's not that we're carrying a literal cross. You get the point. Neither are we going to go get this, you know, big hunk of lumber and carry it around either that's bloodstained. But the point is, don't hide who you are. Live it daily. Practice it daily. It's easy to live for God when when everybody's here, you know, we're worshiping together and the Spirit's moving and flowing. But but how about living for Him when it's just you, right? How about living for Him when there is no goosebumps, you know, flowing up and down in one arm and down the other? 
You know, no, no praise team singing and your iTunes is not working anymore. You can't even play songs on it, right? How about then? How about when things are going bad, right? Can we still walk daily with him? The, the greater reality of walking in God's ways is walking in his ways and not our own. If everyone does that which is right in their own eyes, the Bible tells us that death and sin are the result. But when we walk in God's ways, life and freedom are the result. And by the way, walking in God's ways is the most liberating thing you can do. There are people that will say, oh, you go to church, you do this and that. Uh, must be a bunch of rules and regulations and blah, blah, blah. No, it's a relationship. I don't do anything that I do or not do anything I don't do because of rules or regulation. I do them because I'm in a relationship with God. I want to please Him. Here, here's how I sum up living for God that way. If it pleases God, does it really matter who it displeases? But on the contrary, if it displeases God, who cares who it pleases? Galatians asked the question, do, do I please man or God? Right? Well, it's a rhetorical question. The fact is I want to please God. Yeah. See, when we walk in God's ways, life and freedom are the result. Isaiah 35 verses 8 and 9 speak of a highway, a way called the way of holiness. It's a straight way. It's a narrow way. It's the only way. The Bible tells us to follow peace with all men and holiness. And when we do that, we shall see the Lord. It, are you walking up the King's Highway? <laughs> are you walking up that way of holiness? Well, if you are, you're blessed. If you're not, hurry up and get on it. Because the Bible also says in Isaiah 35 that lions and ravenous beasts can't go there. Oh, hallelujah. It's being committed to inward and outward holiness. I know some people that have the outward down pat. You know, they, they can look the part, dress the part, and all that. But, but inwardly, they're, they're bitter. Well, that's no more holy than a person who might be beautiful on the inside, but, you know unholy and on the outside it's it's not either or it's both and it's pursuing that peace pursuing that holiness with everyone it's it's perfecting that holiness so that you see the lord and by the way in first peter 1 6 god says be ye holy peter's quoting leviticus be ye holy god says for i am holy notice he didn't say try to be or if it makes sense, do it. Or if you're convicted of it, do it. He said, be ye holy. But, but watch this. Be ye holy. God would not tell us something to do, to be, if it were impossible for us. You can be holy if you want to. You can change the way you think if you want to. You can stop being prejudiced if you want to. Brother Alan Oggs a few years ago had cerebral palsy. If you're not familiar with that, it, it, it you know, contorts the muscles and, and 
uh, the speech at times, but they, they can function. And uh, it's so, but, but of course he, and I'm not making fun, but you know, he would be like this and when he would walk, he would kind of, you know, have to stumble because of the way his knees and foot and all that would be. And so I'm not mocking, I'm just kind of giving you, an, if you don't know what cerebral palsy can do. But he, he told a story, he was a, a preacher from Louisiana, and he told a story of how that he one day as a young boy looked at his bike and said, bike, I'm going to ride you. And of course, time after time, he'd get on and fall, get on and fall, get on and fall. But eventually, he rode that bike. Dr. Dobson had him on his program. He was on other uh, uh, things. He wrote a book called You Gotta Have the Want To from that experience and story, you know. And, and I loved hearing him preach and just explain that. You talk about building faith, you know. Now here's a guy that, that God never healed him of that, but, but he never let it handicap him either. Well, in the same sense, you can live for God. You can walk in His ways. You can fear Him if you want to. you got to have the want to. Amen. Praise God. And I believe you do because you're here. You're listening. You're participating. You're, I, don't, I don't believe you're here just putting a check mark on an on a attendance roll somewhere. I believe truly, in spite of everything, you want to live for Him. And so keep doing it day by day. Psalm 128, especially verse 1, is similar to Psalm 1, in which we find in this psalm that the person who does what is required for uh, God's blessing receives his blessing. And here's what that person does, and I won't read the whole Psalm 1 to you, but, but I'll just summarize it. That person does not accompany the wicked. They don't walk in or take counsel with the ungodly. This person who receives the blessing from God does not act like the wicked. They refuse to stand with evildoers in their practices and ways. This person does not abide with the wicked and the scornful. They refuse to set with them even in the point of going to their home. So they don't accompany, they don't act, and they don't abide with the wicked. Amen. So these are the things that a wise person does and, and doesn't do in order to receive the blessing. But then they also, in this same Psalm 1, they delight in God's Word and declare it. So I'm talking about these requirements for the, for the blessings of the Lord. If you'll walk in His Word, if you'll fear Him, if you'll obey Him, if you'll look at it from a daily concept, guess what will happen? You'll have the blessings of the Lord. You'll be planted and fruitful in God. So do you want to be wise today? I do. Amen. Well, now let's talk about the authentic reach of God's blessings. Verses 2 through 4 of Psalm 128. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Now again, this highlights marriage and the family specifically, practically, historically, and literally in this verse. But it does not mean that if you're single or have no children, you cannot be blessed. What this psalm is doing is indicating to us that if no one gets married and no one has children, eventually the population will just die. 
They'll be the last person alive and they'll die. So, so you know, the, the, the procreation keeps the, the, the population going. Does that make sense? It's also indicating and speaking to the reality of the home being the bedrock of society. Our children right now are in our children's ministry. And we also have activities for them on Wednesday, just like we do for our teens who are downstairs being taught on a level that they can understand and relate to and connect with. And thank God for that. And thank God for all the staff that helps on Sundays and Wednesdays to do that. But let me speak to every parent in this room and online. If you think that your little Johnny or Susie in youth or children's class right now is enough Bible... Please start thinking differently. You have them every day. We have them for 40 minutes on Sunday morning and about 55 minutes on Wednesday night. Amen? Pour into them. Invest into them. Teach them the word. And so what this, these verses are indicating is, yes, God originated marriage. He, was the, he originated the very first marriage between Adam and Eve and told them to be fruitful and to multiply. Told them to have children. It's the bedrock of society. Amen. So no wonder hell is on a rampage to attack the family. No wonder hell is on a rampage to attack marriage. Listen, some of this stuff going on in the political realm is spiritual. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? And every one, every, every one of these things are an attack against God Himself. And so the best thing we can do is to create a solid place that's, that's God-fearing in our homes. I love it. Brittany, I see you post sometimes the things you do with your children online and the, the Bible studies that you have at home. I love it. I love the fact that we had a child get the Holy Ghost at home. I love the Bible quizzing aspect, Alicia, that you're doing and others that you're doing and pouring into them. Why? Because that's vitally important. Thank God we have a Sunday school. Thank God we have a TCO student ministries. But that's just a supplement to what you're doing at home. In fact, I don't mean to bore you with some of the historical details, but do you, know one, you want to know why Sunday school got started in the first place? We don't see Sunday school in the Bible. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. Hear me out for a minute. It got started because there were some children being brought that didn't have family. They were from orphanages. And so they would start Sunday school for them because they didn't have. It was incumbent. Pastors would tell parents, if you're not teaching them at home, they didn't have Sunday school. When they came, they came. It was everybody in the same service. Now, please, I'm not saying we're going to go back and do that. I'm, I'm, I love our Sunday school. So don't think, oh, the pastor's got some crazy vision for 2022. No, I don't. I, I love Sunday school. I love all that. But please understand its primary reason was started because there were people that don't have. So you know who I really think our Sunday school is for and our youth ministries is for? is those that don't have a dad at home or, or from a broken family situation or whatever. That's who it needs to be for. Okay? Because they're not getting it at home. If, if, if your children aren't getting Bible at home, please make that a priority from this day forward. It's incumbent upon you. So verses 2 through 4 are, are highlighting that. 
And that's the practical reality of these verses. But there's also a prophetical essence to these verses as well because the book of Ephesians calls us the family of God. In fact, we're named in Him. That's why we say brother or sister. Hey, Sister Kim. Hey, Brother Mac. It's, it's why we do that because we are family. And Ephesians 3.15 says that we're named in this family. Amen. Did you know that being born again in this family, we have the same father? Isaiah 9.6, the son, the child is the everlasting father. Amen. And according to Galatians 4.26, Jerusalem, which is above us all, is the mother of us all. We have the same mother, the church. Christ our Father, the church our mother. So we are part of the family of God. That's why when one of you hurt, we hurt. And when one of you rejoice, we rejoice. You're sitting on your particular chair and and in your particular spot, and for the most part, you all sit in the same spot. Now, if you want to really freak me out next Sunday, well, I won't be here next Sunday, the following Sunday, switch around. But but other than that, I can pretty much, and, and when I come and pray, I know, you know, Mac's going to be sitting over there. Kim's going to be right there. The Kirkpatrick's are right there, you know. Jeff is right there. I, the Favinger's there. I can just walk around. So you want to really play with my brain. Y'all just move around, you know, a couple of Sundays from now. I'll be like, Chris Kahn, he's over here now. What's going on, right, you know? <laughs> Amen. But we're not isolated to our blue chairs. We're not isolated to our special segments, Okay. I realize we'll all go home to our homes today. Some of us will go back to Texas when, we're, when the family time is done. Amen. But here's the reality. If we're born again, we're the family of God together. The authentic reach of God's blessings extends to our homes and to our community. I thank God for the blessings that he's put on my wife and children, but I also thank God for the blessings he's put on the family of God. This earthly family is, in fact, temporal. But the spiritual family is eternal. Acts 1, verse 8, and Acts 2, verse 39 reveal the authentic reach of God's blessings. In Acts 1, verse 8, he said that his blessings were going to begin in Jerusalem and then spread throughout all Judea and then Samaria and then the uttermost part of the earth. And the promise of that came when Peter preached. And he said that the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That authentic reach of God's blessings is still going forward today to whosoever will. Praise God. And for those who will obey, then there becomes an abundant reward for God's blessings. Anybody want that reward? Here it is. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Psalm 128 verse 5. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. See it? 128 verse 5 right there. All the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's peace and peace upon Israel. The abundant reward of God's blessings is that you will see the good of Jerusalem, which prophetically is the church, all the days of of thy life. 
When the pilgrims would have sung this song of ascent, they would have thanked God for delivering them, for bringing them out of captivity, for restoring them to Jerusalem, for allowing them to rebuild the temple. Amen. That's the practical and historical reference and relevance of it. But the prophetic reality points to the church. Amen. Because the next verse, verse 6, talks about the peace upon Israel, which correlates back to Psalm 125, verse 5, which is the Israel of God, which is is the church according to Galatians. Amen. But something that kept resonating in my spirit, something that wouldn't God wouldn't let go, and the way it happens for me, I don't know how it happens to you when a verse stands out to you, but it's almost like I can see God taking this big old yellow marker, you know, uh, a highlighter, and highlighting a verse, and I'm seeing this just in my mind, seeing it all the days of thy life. Verse 5, all the days of thy Put up verse 5, would you, Brother Sam? Psalm 128, verse 5, all the days of thy life. See those last few words there? That's what God kept highlighting. That's the abundant reward of God's blessings. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not a brief interlude. Amen. Like a day or a weekend off. It's, it's, it's not a four-day weekend. Woohoo! Party. No. God's blessings are daily and eternal all the days of thy life. Amen. Praise God. The Lord spoke to me earlier this week. And I shared it with a number of you. I put it in our Facebook uh, prayer room that we have. He said to me, this is a shift, not a season. Seasons are temporal. They, they come and go. They change. But a shift is permanent. This is a shift, not a season. All the days of thy life. You know, throughout the preaching of the Psalms, I began back in March of 2016. One thing that keeps standing out to me is every time we see the word all. And every time we see concepts of God being with us. The psalmist in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's bad, that's negative, that's hurtful, that's fearful, that's, that's a time of, of, of struggle. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Wow, God's always with us, even on our bad days. You know what I love about how God works? This week, there's been a number of situations where I've either been like the, if you will, the mediator between something where somebody tells me, hey, I'm praying for so-and-so, and they don't know what so-and-so is going through. That's happened at least two or three times this week. And I'm like, wow, God. And the person I've told, I'm like, man, God cares. God knows. God's with you. You know, they don't know anything, and yet they feel this burden. They feel connected to prayer. And even though you may have not felt that specifically, some of you have prayed in the Spirit this week and last week and this last month, and you've prayed for people that you don't even know. You've interceded on behalf of them. Praise God. It's a, it's a shift, not a season. Praise God. All the days of thy life. I wonder if somebody could just lift your hands with me and claim that word. God, this is a shift, not a season. All the days of my life. 
I'm going to see blessings on my family. I'm going to see blessings on my church. God, I speak it. I believe it. I'm walking in the fear of the Lord. I'm faithful to you, Lord. And I believe your word is true in Jesus' name. All the days of my life. Hallelujah. Brother Chris, you and your wife, and I don't see Brother Sal and Sister Linda, but they've, they've got grandchildren. Some of you others might have grandchildren that live here. God, that's great. That's awesome. Praise God. Brother Chris, if the Lord tarries, you might see great-grandchildren one day serving the Lord. What a great testimony that will be as well. Amen? Amen. But it's, again, it's not just for our biological families. Some of you have got some co-workers. Some of you got some neighbors. Some of you got some friends and classmates that are about to be the family of God. Look at that empty chair next to you or around you and begin speaking it in Jesus' name. Begin believing in Jesus in all the days of my life. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, it gives us a summary, if you will, of these, these requirements that, that we have for the blessings of the Lord. And it's, if you'll fear the Lord your God and walk in all His ways and love Him. And I'm just capturing the essence of the verse here. It's, it's on the screen. But, and serve Him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And you keep His commandments and statutes. If you'll do these things, He'll walk with you. He'll be with you. It really is that simple. In fact, I believe this is why the Church of Omaha is experiencing God's blessings is because I believe this is why God has given us a shift and not a season. Is because we're doing our best to walk in all His ways, to fear Him, to do what He says. Amen. We've had a crazy last two years. Lockdown of 2020, COVID, variants, all of this stuff, and in-person church, and online church, and all that, that goes with it, and racial tensions across our nation, and even in our own city. All of these things, and yet... We're still here. We're still moving on. And God is saying, I'm giving you a shift, not a season. Amen. We've heard some testimonies of what God has done. Some of them this year. Some of them in the past couple of years. But great things God has done. Some of you stood in this very pulpit and testified of what God's done in your life. And the victories you've had. And some of them were, were distant. Some of them were recent things. Thank God for that. You see, it's summed up as well in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. And here's why. For you have a little strength. That doesn't mean that they were, they were anemic or weak. It was saying you're using what you have. Okay, and have kept my word, there it is, and have not denied my name. I want to declare on this last Sunday of 2021 that as long as there's breath in these lungs, as long as there's a functioning brain in this head, and as long as I'm the pastor and bishop of this church, we're going to keep his word. We're going to respect and honor his name. Amen. We're not going to suddenly start baptizing in the name of Myron or TCOO or UPCI. Amen. We're going to baptize in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If people are sick, we're going to lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. Praise God. 
We're going to preach in the name of Jesus. Our Sunday school teachers and our, our, our student teachers are going to teach in the name of Jesus. Our elements teachers are going to do that. We're not going to deny the word. Praise God. It's a shift, not a season. Amen. Let's stand together. We've got a break coming up here. In 1120, we'll come back for our second half. Excited for what God's going to do. And we're going to be sharing the 2020 to vision with you in our second half and looking forward to that amen i know there's some out today sick some out today traveling and a lot of them are watching online so we bless and greet you we will be also having another vision sunday on january 9th as well with also a guest speaker so we're looking forward to that but amen for this service amen thank you for being here thank you for walking in the fear of the lord thank you for obeying his commandments let's keep doing that because that's where the blessings come from Amen. God bless you. We'll see you after the break.